man, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me, Mr. Cody. Yeah, I'm going to be on your show next. So I'm trying to get there. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, who, who you are, what you do, where you've been. All right, so I'm um, Chris Camp going by Motivate with Coach Camp. So that's kind of my new thing now. I'm trying like to be it. Coach Camp officially in life, I guess. There you go. And um, the, the short and quick of it is I am embarking on a new adventure in my life. And that is to become a motivational type coach to help people out with uh, different things that they may face in life and uh, give some pieces of wisdom that maybe I've experienced or some different perspectives of how to see something and how to handle something and uh, ultimately be a light in a dark place at times. And one thing that we can all agree on is that there's plenty of negativity anywhere you go, you can find that. And uh, one that's of the true. things I try to tell people is your light shines brightest when it's at its darkest. Yep. And so that's what I'm here for. I'm trying to shine some light, baby. There you go, man. So tell us a little bit about what you do, what you have done professionally and give us a little background on yourself. I've got a, I've got a pretty extensive background. Um, straight out of high school, I finished up a, an associate's degree in criminal justice and then went into the military for four years. While I was in the military, I got another associate's degree in production management because I thought maybe I'd do what I was doing in the Air Force and then I didn't. So when I got out of the Air Force, I uh, went and got my associate's degree in paramedicine and got on the fire department, firefighter paramedic. Uh, while I was on the fire department, I was fortunate enough to be able to be a part of their special ops rescue team, Tennessee wow. Task Force, uh, down the road a little ways, uh, started getting a little too comfortable with those things. We've talked about comfort zones, so I decided to switch it up and went and got my teaching background. So I was able to be an instructor, went to the fire academy. I was an instructor for a while out there, teaching advanced EMTs, basics, mm -hmm. paramedics. And then uh, when I went back out to the field, I got injured again. So three shoulder surgeries later, they retired me from the fire department. Yeah. Um, out of that, I went to work at Southwest Community College as an EMS instructor, where I completed my bachelor's degree in health services administration while I was there. And then um, just one short year ago, I actually completed my master's degree in leadership with the emphasis being in disaster preparedness. So wow. all of those experiences together throughout a career is one, one segment. Right. The other segment is uh, been an athlete most of my life, played a lot of sports, done a lot of coaching. And so that aspect plays into the idea that Coach Camp does make a lot of sense because that's what I've been doing for a long time is helping to coach people to make a better version of themselves. So I've got the career segment, I've got the coaching segment, and then the, the last area is just personal life that I try to um, lead by example. Yeah. And part of that leading by example is is doing things outside of the realm of what I had maybe at one point thought was possible. Matthew McConaughey recently um, saw a speech he was giving to a college and uh, he said something's pretty funny. He said that uh, impossible is the stupidest word in the, in the English language. And I thought that's a pretty good play on it. I like that right. because what we deem as possible and impossible does come down to what we can see ourselves becoming or doing. And when right. you put limits on yourself, who knows what you've just stopped yourself from becoming. Right. So I started thinking about that, um, it, not in those words, but earlier in, in my life when I was around 30, I said, you know, I need to, I need to push myself a little more. I need to push myself. Right. And, um, and it wasn't just monetary. It was not monetary, actually. No, this here was just, uh, I wanted to be an example. I wanted yeah. to lead as an example, and I wanted to, to challenge myself to see what, what I could do. Right. And uh, so I got into running endurance athletics. I've ran 25 marathons. I have another one coming up this weekend and I've completed one Ironman triathlon. Wow. So all of those experiences tie into the coaching. They tie into the career experiences and just trying to use all of that together yeah. to 
be able to approach any subject comfort comfortably yeah. and talk to someone and give them some perspectives. Yeah. That's my goal. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's where I'm trying to take this. And uh, I know it can't reach everybody. Uh, so I use this speech in, in one of my, there's two, there's two, there's two quotes here that I love. I love, I use them all the time. Um, if you wait till you have everything to help everybody, instead of helping somebody with something, you'll end up helping nobody with nothing. Yep. So I wanted to start. I wanted to do something for somebody right, right now, something yep. for somebody. Even if it's one person. Even if it's one person. And another great quote that I love is everybody's watching somebody. Yep. And you never know who's watching you. Yep. So you I've, can, I've learned that the easy way and the hard way. Look, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> when you take your guard down and you let someone else uh, feed off of your negative side, mm-hmm. there's I and I've done it. I'm guilty of it. And I'm, you're a dad, so you I'm know they're always dad. watching. <laughs> Look, uh, I will give you a real example. I don't mind sharing the, the wrong. My dog does something that he shouldn't do. Right. My first thing is, you stupid idiot. Right. Well, guess who started saying stupid idiot at the age of two? My uh, daughter. Uh, yep. Stupid idiot. I'm like, why are you saying that? And then I'm like, you taught her that. Right. Yes. Everybody's watching somebody. Yeah. You have to lead by example. Yeah. Everybody has to see their value. Everybody does have value. I think that's another big problem. People don't see their own personal value sometimes. They yeah. feel um, they feel like, what, what difference does it make? Right. It makes a huge difference. I'm glad you brought up value. Um, my first question for you, do numbers in a bank account make people happy? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to load you with that one right off the bat. I think it depends on the person. Okay. I mean, numbers in a bank account, obviously, you need you need to have a certain amount of money. People to live. Yeah, to live, to, to, to be able to experience aspects of life. I think that's, that is important, but I believe the problem when it comes to letting money be the denominator that is your foundation for happiness Mm -hmm. is it's very feeble. Yeah. I mean, you look at a foundation, you want something strong that you can pull from in the worst of times. Right. Money is definitely vulnerable. Right. And if that's what you base your happiness on, good luck. Right. You better not ever have a misstep. Right. <laughs> I uh, I posted something the other day that I, I stole from Facebook. Um, it says, it's like, I know a lot of poor people with a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Basically, was the was the short version. And uh, money's great in, you know, use. When you use it for things that are in line with your purpose or in line with your family. Like when we go to Disney World and we spend fifteen hundred bucks a year or something like that on actually going. Like of course we have the annual pass, it's like seven hundred a year or something like that. So all in all, we might spend out of pocket three or four thousand dollars a year. You know, you break it down two hundred, two hundred and fifty bucks a month, mm-hmm. maybe. But that's family time. Like you said, that's the gauntlet. That's where you prove if your family can survive. <laughs> that's true. You, and you need those tests in life. Right. It, for any aspect. That's yeah. where you build your character from, right? Yep. Um, you get the calluses on your feet. So <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, t- I talk to people occasionally about finance and budgeting just because I've been fairly successful at being able to manage money. And I think that's one of the things that is a misconception. People think you make more money than you're able to do more with that. But it's yep. all about how you spend the money. So I tell folks, it's not how much money you make. It is how you spend the money that you do make. Right. And, um, so my wife and I, we, we have a comfortable life at this point. We work, we both have jobs, and we, we make a decent amount. But uh, what sometimes a person can't see is those early beginnings that helped me get to that position. I started out in the Air Force making $17,000 a year. Yep. And um, we made so little money 
that we qualified for government assistance. Yeah. I mean, I got WIC working for the government, working for the government, right? Yeah. So, um, I look back at that, and we didn't have bills. We didn't have bills because we didn't overspend. Right. And so you have to manage the money according to how you make and what your lifestyle is going to be. Right. And uh, you're speaking about Disney. Um, that's one of the things too that I kind of adapted early in my life was you, you can't put a value on time. You know, everybody has a very limited amount of time on this earth. If you live to be 110 years old, you still had a very small time span on this earth in, right. in comparison to existence. Right. So I didn't want to let time slip away from me. Make it count. Make it count. Do focus on what is important. And for me, what is important is spending time with family, doing stuff with friends. So I allocate, I mean, from the very beginning of becoming an adult with a family, I allocate 25% of our income every year to doing family stuff. That may not yeah. all be on a vacation, but it is allocated towards family adventures, whatever that might be, whether right. we're going to eat a few times a month or whatever the case is. And um, I just see years go by and people on either side of it, whether they don't feel like they can ever do a vacation, but that's because they don't put the money away and save up for it. Or they're so focused on bettering their position before they start to do those things right. that all of a sudden their kids are grown. All of a sudden they're to a point maybe in their age where they're not able to do things. Right. And um, I wasn't gonna let that happen. It's a, there's a fine balance between being so frugal that you don't enjoy your life and being so unfrugal that you just, you spend yourself into a hole that you can't climb out of so you can't enjoy your life down the road. I think I hear balance coming into play there. That's what yeah. it sounds like to me. Balance. Balance is everything. Like emotions, finances, relationships. It's got to be balance. Work. Yep. So um, going back to the original question with the beauty of editing, I can take out that um and, and pause. You know? That's nice. So if you, It is. So real, I, gotta, I can learn to get like you. <laughs> it's not easy. And I smack my lips. I've learned that. So yeah. The smacking of the lips drives me nuts. You can edit that part later too. Right, right. <laughs> but uh Hopefully, I'll be more of a fluid teacher the more we do this. That was the goal for me, was learning how to, I guess, position conversations to make them flow more comfortably, I guess, with the whole podcasting thing. So if I had to say my purpose for this venture is to grow as, you know, a conversationalist, as a, you know, just an interaction person, building relationships, yada, yada. Um, see, um, pause and wait for that's what happens. You're trying to think, work at those thoughts for a minute, right? That was what was going to bring balance to my professional life. Was you know, with me being and doing what I'm doing, I can't really go too far into it, or I'll have to run this through compliance. But with me doing what I do, I have to conversate and, and teach people concepts and do all kinds of just interaction. People aren't comfortable, right? And they can't be comfortable if I'm not comfortable. Right. So to balance that feeling of, of comfort across a table with somebody talking about something that's a sensitive subject, I have to be comfortable with just talking. I was homeschooled. So yeah. from 7th to 12th, I had no social interaction. So yeah, that's... this was before quarantine. <laughs> we had uh, one day of the week where we went for three hours to test. It was Gateway uh, Christian School. Familiar with it, yeah. Macon, yeah. So 7th um, and on, because I had terrible you could say behavioral issues where I wouldn't I just wouldn't get along with people I would fight you know do whatever I was a uh, lone wolf 
I guess you could mm-hmm. say. And I just, I had a small group of friends, maybe three or four. And if I wasn't in class with them, I wasn't paying attention. That was just it. If I was in class with them, I wasn't paying attention because I was interacting with them. Right. But I still had good grades up until, you know, seventh grade when, you know, the algebra. Like you said earlier, mm-hmm. algebra, start adding in the alphabet to math. That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And uh, that requires focus, and I didn't have focus. So I left, went home where I could focus. That was my comfort zone. But you know, looking back, one of the things that I regret was going to homeschool. I wish I would have learned how to focus in my environment instead of taking myself out of that environment to go focus where I'm comfortable. Yeah, balance is key, and then, and then of course, experience is key. And I think that's part of what I hear you saying right there. Yep. It's just uh, when you lack certain areas of experience, then you really don't have a lot to draw from depending on what that topic is. Right. Um, it's funny that, uh, I just use the um as well. Right. <laughs> um, um, um. It's funny though that we, we were talking about money and the balance and where that could be misled to being a foundational situation. Mm-hmm. Because whenever I got into this uh, line that I'm trying to do right now, which is a method of coaching, there was a lot of conversation about, well, if you get into motivational speaking, you can make this, you can make that. And uh, you just mentioned, you know, this is where your goal is. You're trying to get to a point where you can coach folks. Right. And uh, I look back at where I came from and my experiences. Mm-hmm. And it, there's a difficult mental aspect to allowing yourself to believe and be confident enough to believe that you have some tools that you can share with others that will be beneficial to others because you almost have to think uh, in line of being less humble. Yeah. And I didn't like that Yeah, because for me, I, I always see myself as being somebody who wants to lift another person up. So for me to take the center stage to tell other people something or to coach somebody, it felt unnatural. Yeah. But then I started drawing from the experiences I had of coaching and, and from teaching and uh, what I became comfortable with in that aspect was, yeah, you know what, if you, if you come at coaching in a sense of, you know, these are some of the things that I've experienced and these are the tools I use to get past them. And this is why I feel this way. Right. People feel less like they're being told what to do and more like they're being shared with how you did it. Right. And uh, that has been very, uh, to me, at least to this point, that has been very helpful for me to have that mindset. And so with you coming from an aspect of being homeschooled, like you're talking about, and then yep. trying to jump into something like this, into a coaching method, that social interaction, there is a, there's definitely going to be a learning curve, but I think oh, yeah. that that can be used to your advantage because you will be relatable to others, whether yep. they were homeschooled or not. There may be plenty of folks out there you're talking to that just don't, they can't connect with the idea that they feel comfortable coaching someone else when they didn't have those initial social skills. And they'll see you as an example of, well, look at Cody, look what he's doing. I feel like I can do the same thing. Maybe I love living by the principle of if I can do it, anybody can do it. Right. Because I, I find satisfaction in, in starting things that I have no experience in. I didn't have any experience in pressure washing when I started cleaning business. I didn't have any experience in cleaning. Like I, we keep a moderately clean house when we have a kid, but you know, if I see, Know, some dust in the corner. I'm not just going to jump on it. Like right, that, that, right. I've always been, you know, lax, casual about, you know, cleaning stuff. So when my, I told my wife I was going to start cleaning business and she laughed at me. She's like, you know, clean our house. <laughs> I clean our house. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things I just didn't have any experience in, but I was like, you know what? I looked at the business model. I looked at the, the service model and I enjoy service. I enjoy helping other people. I enjoy you know, just serving in general when it comes to employment or I've always had retail or service of some kind for a job. So I know how to serve, but I didn't know the skills. 
to serve in that capacity as a provider of that service. So what I did was I spent hours learning, right? So I learned how to do a job correctly. Then I started marketing. Then I started, you know, and slowly but surely, now we've developed into what hopefully with this contract we have coming up, uh, a six-figure business in eight months, and we're going to have hopefully five employees by the end of the year. And this is new to me as well as a business owner. So I was like, I've never had a business to make six figures that I started. I've never started a business before that besides, you know, the consulting. So it was a little different. But to me, that was never the goal. You know, I never started out with the, with the intentions of having a business grow or scale to that size. Like I, that was never my desire or intention. It just happened that way because I ran the business on the principle that I did intend to do it with, which was service, right? I wanted to do something for value. I wanted to get out of the house because I started this in the middle of quarantine. So I was like, well, you know, and now I feel like I'm talking about myself too much. No. Your episode. But, <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to use the equipment that I already had because I had the pressure washer for my, my C10 project. My grandfather left me and I just wanted to use the tools that I already had to do something I hadn't done before. And just that, that personal growth kind of mindset and slowly, but surely it evolved into something great. Right. And like on my first podcast, I mentioned uh, Joe Rogan. Have you ever followed Joe Rogan's podcast? I haven't. I can't say that I'm very good at following any podcast I've been told about. <laughs> Will Ferrell's apparently from Anchorman, which yep. people say I would love. Yes. Technology's not my friend sometimes. I got you. So basically, the long story short, um, I think it was last year or the year before, he got a contract with Spotify. It was something like $100 million, right? But he's, he's like only going to be on Spotify now. Like they, they own his content. But $100 million ain't nothing to shy away at. But he started um, what appears to be in a dorm room. You know, he has uh, like a Nokia camera mm-hmm. and it's super blurry. And he's got like a, like a, like a backdrop. They would look, it looks like a dorm, but mm-hmm. they were doing uh, troubleshooting. You know, they were trying to fix their audio. He's like, well, don't click on too many tabs or it's going to run your computer down because this is back in the nineties. You know, you got to right. be, be mindful of your, of your computer. And um, he never intended for it to be a hundred million dollar contract. He intended to talk with some friends. Right. Yeah. He intended to share some experiences, talk to other UFC fighters or, you know, do whatever he wanted and just enjoy himself. You know, for whatever his reason was, it was never where he ended up. And I think that comes back to the balance thing. If you mm-hmm. if you put too much weight on the idea of do something, do your coaching because it'll make you X amount of money, you're going to overweight the hopes of making so much money and underweight the principle behind why you're doing it. Right. I'll, so. I'll, actually, I said this to uh, to our dean when I started working at the college. I teach uh, EMS program at Southwest. And uh, when I got into it, after I had retired from the Memphis Fire Department, I was made very aware from multiple people, including my boss, that teachers don't make a lot of money. And uh, when I went there, I was just uh, trying to see where I was going to go next. It was I had taught before at the fire academy, but teaching at the college was going to be a, a different aspect, even though it was kind of the same line. Right. And when I got there and I realized what I was doing was much bigger than myself, I was sharing my experiences, I was sharing my knowledge, and it was not only being very well received by the students, but it was making a huge difference. Yeah. I realized at that moment that when you do something that's 
less about self and more about others, Mm -hmm. you start to follow a passion, then everything you do has a lot more meaning. And when money, money does follow, that's great. And you can use that to not only help yourself and your family, but others, which is always the intention for me. But, uh, he asked me, the Dean asked me what my intentions were for the future of staying there because to be quite honest, I, I have a decent resume. So there were other opportunities and several opportunities made quite a bit more money than I was going to make at the college. And I told him, I said, when you choose to chase the paycheck instead of chasing your passion, you're destined for failure. Yep. And he looked at me and he was just, you could tell that he was perplexed, a little bit confused and at the same time inspired. And he was just yeah. like, man, that's great. And I said, and I mean every word of that. I have no intention of leaving my job teaching uh, this pursuit I have right now, public speaking, which is something that has been, I guess has been a part of me since I was years ago, really coaching and then teaching and uh, just speaking in general, talking to youth. Uh, I feel that there is a huge need for it right now. Sure. More than ever. More than ever. Besides the obvious issues that are in the world, which I don't think is that unique. The world has always had problems, you know. If, just imagine if Genghis Khan had Twitter feed back in the day. Right. I mean, like, I conquered five more countries today, yo. So, <laughs> it's not, this is not like the world hashtag is just, yeah, hash, winning. Hash, <laughs> hashtag got 500 new wives, y'all. Right. So, right. this is, the world has always had turmoil. I think the problem right now we have is that the media outlets really amplify the problems that are in the yep. world. The world has always had its own issues. It doesn't matter what country you come from. Everybody's right. had stuff and it's been good and bad for any country, just depending on the, the time span. But uh, the, the social media, the media outlets in general would really feed your head to believe that there's no hope. Yeah. And that's kind of the message that people kept telling me. It was like, man, you come in and you, you bring this positive attitude and you bring this approach to life. You need to share that with others. Where does it come from? The value there is just immeasurable and when you when you look at a person doing what they feel comfortable doing Mm -hmm. and they stay in that same rut yeah they don't grow and uh absolute fact when when i got out of the air force and it's funny you're talking about how people laughed at you whenever you were talking about come doing a pressure washing and stuff you know you don't even clean your own house how you gonna clean other people's stuff uh when i graduated with my associate's degree straight out of high school mm-hmm. i didn't want to continue down the road a lot of my friends were doing which was take out student loans go to a university i wanted to do something that kind of gave me a lot of world experience life experience as well as get you know further my education right so without even talking to anyone and this is this is just basically relating to leaving your comfort zone i had a very comfortable situation in my life i lived mm-hmm. at my parents house i was able to go to college having fun on the weekends with my buddies, right. uh, worked a little part-time job. So I had money to do things with. Everything was very comfortable. And at the age of 20, I realized at that point, I was like, man, I don't want to wake up 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, and not feel like I've seen stuff or done stuff. Right. So on my way home from college one day, driving up to my parents' house, I just kept going straight on into Memphis, went to a recruiter's office never said a word to a single person not a friend not a family member nothing walked in a recruiter's office sat down said i want to join the air force it was just that simple yeah and he looked at me first and he went over a few things and i said well so what do i do because i want to sign up and it was within he was probably like 
yeah, this right. I've never <laughs> talked to you before. You sure you don't want to think about it? I was like, nope, two hours in. I was like, let's do this. Yeah. And uh, so I went and signed up and went home, told my parents, and they were in disbelief. They thought I was just messing with them because right. I'm a bit of a April jokester. April Fool's, wait, it's I'm, yeah, October. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit of a jokester, and they're just like, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll leave in February, and this was December. Yeah. And uh, they were blown away by it, and my friends laughed at it. They were like, you'll never make it because, again, I was a jokester. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm not going to let other people's doubts in me be my own reality. You yeah. know, so people are going to doubt other people a lot of times. It's just projections of their own doubts in their self. I was just about to say it. So, ultimately, it's not about if you can or can't. It, it's up to you if you can or can't. Yeah. But other people will see themselves and think about what they feel like they can or can't do, and they'll try to project that on you. And I was like, no, nah, man, I can do this. Right. So I went in the Air Force four years later. You know, I decide I'm going to get out. I'm just relating a little bit of your, your. Um, I'm jumping into this pressure washing thing. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. I didn't know how to be a military person, right? but I figured it out. Yep. Four years later, I decide, all right, I'm going back home. I'm right. going to be a firefighter. Let's try that one. Yep. Man, they laughed at me in the Air Force. They brought me uh they, they bought me some little matchbox fire trucks and stuff, had a little going away, and they were like, well, you, you don't know anything about firefighting? I was like, you're absolutely right. I don't know anything right. about firefighting. Yeah. But I'm going to go home and figure it out. Yeah. I went home, started volunteering. A year later, I started into school, got my EMT, eventually got my paramedic, got on Memphis Fire Department, spent a career there. i tell you all that to say this. People that sit back and let other people's shallow feelings towards what is possible project onto themselves will miss out on a lot of things in life yeah i learned early it was worth the venture it's yeah. worth the journey the finish line is just something to celebrate the journey with right the finish line's never the prize right the prize is what you got out of the journey right you gotta leave that comfort zone yeah you gotta see what's possible right and if it's something you're passionate about paycheck versus passion right if it's something you're passionate about whenever you're done and you look back You'll know that even all the failures was worth the moment. Right. I think paycheck versus passion is an excellent example because the first consultants ever were unpaid in the beginning. You know, when, when I think of consultant, I think of like kind of kind of old school a little bit. Like I even think of Tony Robbins. When Tony Robbins started telling people, I'm going to tell people how to live their life or career, somebody laughed at him somewhere. Oh, no doubt. And I don't know Tony Robbins. Let's, let's find out what's Tony Robinson net worth. Not that it's relevant to, you know, however, I'm just curious. $600 million. I had never known that number. So to have somebody laugh at a guy who ends up being worth $600 million and his whole career, his whole everything is pouring into others, Right. Now, whether you like Tony Robbins or any other speaker, however, the, the bottom line is he spent time sowing seeds in somebody else's garden. Yep. With no intention of harvest, right? And then ultimately, he developed that skill. Slowly but surely, he developed a skill. And now the people who were laughing aren't laughing anymore. Now they're they're either customers or bitter. Mm-hmm. And... That, that leads me to another point where you have a choice. If you're projecting, if you're the type of person who projects your limitations on another person, you have a choice. You can either be supportive of another person's venture, you know, whether they're experienced or inexperienced, whatever it may be, or you can be bitter when they do something that you can't. Mm -hmm. Total choice. That's right. 
This is his norm. Uh, he, he, he's hitting that age where it's like, you know what? Every experience is uncomfortable. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, that, he doesn't know a lot of words probably yet, so that's the voice. Right. Yeah. Right. That's, that's normal. He knows dada, mama, and baba. He knows this, this, those are his priorities. Mm -hmm. I want to be fed and I want to be held. That's it. <laughs> Man, I don't blame him. Yeah. A thought came to my mind this past weekend we watched. So we're going to Bend, Oregon this weekend mm -hmm. to, uh, to run a marathon. It'll be my 26th state. Wow. And my goal is to do all 50 states. And there's a whole thing I can talk to you about, about uh, shooting for the stars, which I find is more relevant than just shooting for mountaintops. Because right. if you miss the stars, you land on the mountaintops. Right. That ain't too bad either. But uh, we unless, were, unless you're Elon Musk, then you land on Mars. <laughs> that, so he shot for the stars. He's hitting other planets. Right, so there's right, that, right? Right. But uh, it's funny you're talking about how people will laugh you down and uh, just watch the documentaries. We're going to be in Oregon where the last known blockbuster on earth is there's no wow. other blockbusters on the entire planet than no, the there wasn't any there's only one and it's in bend oregon and uh they did a documentary on netflix about it and we were watching it this weekend and the the funny thing about it was netflix when it was at its inception went to the ceos of blockbuster to offer netflix to sell to blockbuster and they laughed them out of the room yeah netflix was the demise of blockbuster yep so you got to be real careful about how you laugh at you know <laughs> uh it's easy to be a monday morning quarterback and look back and do the what ifs right. and, and uh that's um you know that's part of it but you just really sometimes i think people are real quick to dismiss the possibilities yeah and that's what i always try to look at you know i get it you've got to you've got to weigh the uh possibilities of failure right but what are the possibilities of success and so i think too often, a lot of folks weigh towards that balance part we were talking about. They weigh towards yep. the possibilities of failure, and that's all they can focus on. That's all they see. Right. Instead of looking at, well, this is how you can make this successful. And then if you right. try that venture, whatever that is, and you come up short, what did you learn from it? Is it worth it to you still? Right. Should you go back after it? And if those right. answers are yes, then you've just gained a lot more than you realize. Even though right. you may have not come up with your goal to begin with, you've given yourself a lot of tools to work with to make that goal happen. Right. You've, you've at least hit some milestone that taught you something you didn't know before. It's like, I'm not scared so much of failure. I'm scared of not trying at all. That's me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. So I think the, the risk of just sitting in a groove your entire life, you're, you're putting yourself in a box, putting yourself on the top shelf and leaving yourself there mm -hmm. and no one ever, opens that box no one ever touches that box no one ever gets inspired by the box on the top shelf nobody does right? you have to be in the window sometimes even if you feel naked being there right because i'm the last person on earth that i would rather recommend to like if, if i had a, a clone of myself i would say you should never do anything in the public eye because <laughs> you are uh too rough around the edges too you know uncomfortable in certain social social situations and I get tongue-tied or however but you know the more I worked on it the more I started to see the value that I was providing other people by doing something I enjoy is you know the motivation factor where it's like okay well maybe those doubts weren't all true mm -hmm. you know and doubt was a big one when I got started with all this stuff and I'm sure even with your teaching background you have some internal doubt about something mm-hmm because it's new. I think it's just human nature. 
but you got to do it. You always question yourself, and uh, I think that's needed. I think you do need yeah. to have that level of humility about what you're doing. Doesn't matter what the topic is, because if, if you're always so sure of yourself with everything you do, then really, to be honest with you, besides being uh, narcissistic to a point yeah. where you you can't see your own failures, right. you're not going to be enduring to others. So that's why whenever I started this venture, I don't know if you saw my first video, that was one of the things I said, you know, yeah. I, I wasn't so much, could I talk to folks? Could I talk in front of a group of people? I knew I had that. I'd been doing it for a long time. I'm very comfortable speaking to crowds. Yeah. There's, there's a, I'm easy to be the, the punchline of a joke. It doesn't bother me at all, right? Right. So that, that factor was there. So it really wasn't so much, could I do it? It was, should I do it? And if I was gonna do it, how would I have to approach it? And that was one of the first things I, I, I mentioned was I had to be real. And I had to allow myself to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is you very, be, you very you. difficult. Yeah. People don't want to put themselves in a negative light. They don't want yep. to be seen as less than. And mm -hmm. so that that shield, that guard that they'll put up, a lot of times will prevent them from pursuing their dreams. And yeah. I mentioned to you all ago that baseball taught me everything, all the principles I ever needed to know about life. Yeah. And it's uh, they're all metaphorically driven but at the end of the day it all makes a lot of sense to me talking about going outside your comfort zone or trying something you've never tried as a coach i can remember back as a player and i remember wanting to be a shortstop or wanting to play first base or whatever what I and i would go yeah so you know and you want to go to the, i will go to the coach and you say hey look uh can i try shortstop well the coach already had a predetermined idea of who was going to be best where right and so a lot of times you didn't get your choice yeah. And you end up being in the same place. And for me, early on, it was catcher. I was really decent at catching and could catch and throw down to second decent better than some of the other kids. So ultimately, I ended up getting stuck at catch. I say stuck because I wanted to try other positions. Right. Coach wouldn't let you. And um, when I became a coach, I thought to myself, you know what? There are, there are so many tools here a kid's going to learn and take with them in life if you allow them to go outside their comfort zone. So a kid... The other day, coaching my daughter's softball team, and, and I tell her to go to shortstop. And she's like, Coach, I've never played shortstop. I said, in about five seconds, you will be. Right. <laughs> Buckle up. Here it so, comes. <laughs> so you, you want to put you want to put yourself in a position to be successful. I don't think that you do yourself or anyone else a favor if you knowingly put yourself in a position to fail. Right. But you've got to pick those spots. And going outside your comfort zone to try that is important. We were in a practice. If we were in a practice game, you know, you put a kid there, but you don't put a kid on a pitcher's mound mm -hmm. in a big game that you know has never pitched before. That's the right. wrong time. There are times that you should do this. But that, that player, she didn't really want to go shortstop. But yeah. then afterwards, she came up to me, and she that was, was kind so of, excited. It was kind of fun. She's so excited. She's like, I never played shortstop before. I said, yeah, now you have. Right. And next next time we come together and practice, yeah, we'll try something different. And I think that's key to life. I think you should always put yourself in a position to try new things. Last year, we had an exchange student from Brazil come stay with us. And um, really, really smart girl. She just turned 18 this past year. Um, she was trying to – she was at that point at 17, but she's trying to figure out what she wants to do with her life. And right. she likes medicine. Um, me being an EMS instructor, I was able to give her some, you know, a little bit of background to some yeah. stuff. And she was excited about that. And uh, about a month or so ago, she contacted me and she asked me um, what, how I felt about her trying mechanical engineering. And over in Brazil, mechanical engineers are a very male-dominated occupation. And she had qualified for a scholarship for college for this. And she was conflicted because she really wanted to be a doctor too. And I, and she says, what do you think? She said, I don't want to pass this opportunity 
up if I think I would be good at it, but I also don't want to pass up the chance to go to med school. And I told her, I said, you know, I can't tell you what you should or shouldn't do. That has to be a personal decision. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you, from my perspective at my age now, looking back, I would not want to have an opportunity to do something I thought I was interested in, and I passed on it, and I always wondered. Take the opportunity to do what it is you feel like you might want to do, mm-hmm. and then shift gears if you need to. Right. You're, you're 18. Right. You've got the rest of the world in front of you. Go be a mechanical engineer if that's what you want. And right. if, if you change your mind, guess what else you can do? Go back to med school. Yep. I, I can't tell you how many times I shifted gears, and I never wanted to put myself in a position I felt trapped. I wanted to do what my heart told me I needed to be doing. Right. When I was a firefighter paramedic, I love being a firefighter paramedic. Right. Now that I'm teaching, I love teaching. Now that I'm trying to get into public speaking, I love public speaking. I could talk to a rock. You can come up to me right now and tell me you're not going to be successful. I'm, I'm one step above the rock. So I'm you're like, you're on your way. Yeah. I'm like, you can't tell me what I can't do. I will do it if this is my passion and right. this is my passion. And so I want to share those moments. I want to inspire other people to do stuff. I want to right. motivate them. I want to tell them how I felt vulnerable and how I failed and how I was able to get back up and keep going. Right. Told him just a quick thing. I told him a story the other day on, on one of my videos that, uh, how I like to set high goals for myself and try to achieve them. And and there's a personal sense of satisfaction of knowing that I was capable of achieving something that was very labor intensive. And so that's why I went for the Ironman. And and it was very interesting that when I finished that first Ironman, when I finished my Ironman, I looked back and I was thinking, man, I didn't, I didn't have that moment. But then some years, two years later, when I helped motivate and coach my wife to her finish, it came full circle. Right. It came all the way around back to me at that point. And I said, that's why you did it. Right. That's why you should think about everything you do. It's a bigger purpose than just yourself. Right. It's great to achieve stuff, but how can you help someone else achieve theirs? And right. if everybody took that mentality and that same approach, could you imagine? Right. Could you imagine what kind of fire be lit in this freaking world? Right. Oh my God. We, it would, we'd be Mars. Dude. <laughs> just, everything would be on fire. <laughs> I was like, everybody should be Vince Lombardi. Right. Get your team fired up every time. Get them fired up. Right. What are we holding back for? Right. Comfort. It all comes back to comfort. It all comes back to you don't want to leave your comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, if I could go back and tell my 18-year-old self, your comfort zone is the uncomfort of your future. Because eventually, doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is, if you're laying on the most comfortable bed in existence, if you continue to lay there, you're going to get bed sores. That's right. Right. It's 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 a fact. It doesn't matter how uh, soft the pillow top is. Doesn't matter how many uh, duck feathers you've got in your pillow. Eventually, you're going to get uncomfortable. You got to get up. Right. So you might as well get up, make your bed, metaphorically, because I don't make my bed physically. I, I, Check. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to get up and do something that you're uncomfortable with, and then come back to your comfortable place and recollect yourself or, you know, analyze what you did that was uncomfortable and find out why it was uncomfortable, fix it, you know, because it's a problem within yourself if you find right. something un- uncomfortable. Not, not Maybe not a problem, but a, a uh, I lost my train of thought because I just saw my kid going, <laughs> she's, she's holding like this with, with the legs sticking out <laughs> under each arm, like sack of potatoes. <laughs> He's like, hey, but, uh. You've got to figure out why you're uncomfortable. So what I had to do was figure out why I'm uncomfortable with public speaking. My biggest fear was I don't want to say something stupid. I don't want to look stupid. I don't want to waste somebody's time. I don't want to, you know, 
embarrass myself or you know, whatever. So I, I wrote those things down on the on the whiteboard over there behind you. And by the way, if you want a whiteboard, um, that's a laminate, hundred bucks on Amazon. Oh, yeah, it's peel and stick, multi use. You can put it that? anywhere. But uh, whiteboard started writing down the things that I was nervous about or scared of or whatever with the venture that I was doing, which at the time, my first venture away from the police department was consulting you know, with the finance stuff. So wrote down all those things, what I was scared of, and then I started to write down why I was scared of each each one of them. And then why I was scared, you know, so on and so forth until I broke it down and they all had the same common denominator and it was confidence within myself. So I said, okay, I was gonna look at confidence. How do you build confidence? How do you build charisma? Well, you got to practice. You have to do it, right? Because you can't just go from uh, homeschooled seventh grade Millington kid to Tony Robbins overnight or whoever overnight, Joe Rogan overnight. Right. You can't go from A to Z without going through B to Y. You know? So it's been a long time since I saw the alphabet laid out, but I, I nailed that one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you have to do it and fail or at least make mistakes to learn from the mistakes. So that was the lesson I learned. So started speaking, started meeting with people, bombed several meetings. I had, mm. I remember one meeting I had, it was a, um, it was a couple without doing too many details. I, it was a couple and they, they had a simple situation. I flunked it because I wasn't confident, right? Because they were like, well, we're going to look at our options, which means we're not, we're not going to do anything right and the reason wasn't because i didn't have the ability to provide them what with what they needed the reason was because i was sweating mm. not not physically but you know it was apparent that my body language you know i was very withdrawn you know it wasn't i wasn't being myself i was putting on an image across a desk from somebody of what i thought they wanted to see which was a stone cold mm -hmm. you know, which wasn't me at all and if i had just sat there relaxed my shoulders and said hey I'm Cody, you know, that's right. How can I help? You yep. know, it would have been completely different. And these same, the same people reached out to me two years later that I've been doing this and said, you know, we, we see how much you've grown in just two short years. Mm -hmm. I said, thank you. Because I know as well as you do, when I started this thing that I was a brick with eyes and that was, that was pretty much it. And it was just no personality whatsoever. I was, I was almost trying to be, uh, what's, what's his name? Uh, I can't think of uh, his name. Anyway, I, the stone figure, and I ended up the thinker. Uh -huh. the, 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 yeah, th there's there's um there's, a, there's an old uh, I don't know if he's I can see his face. I just can't think of his name or anything ab about him. Of course, now that I'm on the spot, but uh, basically he has no personality whatsoever, and he was a teacher, and no one listened to him. This this is like 1700s. This is like way mm -hmm. back, but that's why I can't think of it. But um and that's where I started. And then I slowly learned that just being myself, my quirky, goofy, funny punchline version of myself gets me so much farther mm -hmm. because people can relate to it. Don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. That's one of the things I've tried to adopt. You know, you mentioned that that goes hand in hand with baseball, actually. I don't know if you've, uh, I don't, I don't know what sports you follow the most of, but it's true for it's, it's true for any sport. Really. Yeah. Um, you go into a big game. That's what the coach, 
really emphasizes is being loose, staying yep. loose. Yep. Uh, you get up tight, all of a sudden now you're starting to make mistakes, mental mistakes, which mental mistakes turn into physical mistakes. Exactly. And that applies to everything you do in life, every single yep. thing you do in life. Staying loose, staying yourself, and that confidence, it is harder for some than it is for others yep. just because of your experiences, which goes hand in hand again with putting yourself out there. Yep. Put yourself out there, allow yourself to be vulnerable, yep. allow yourself to have some mistakes. Uh, the, the, there's something that um, I kind of paid attention to. I watch a lot of documentaries and read different people's success stories, read about uh, Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A. And the, I love that story. Man, dude, that guy's he's amazing. And um, the one thing that so many of the entrepreneurs, um, inspirational folks of, of history, they go back to was they were very comfortable at square one. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are afraid to even lose, to leave square one. And if they get a couple steps ahead, they don't want to risk anything to put them back to square one. Right. These folks would go all in and they weren't always successful. They would go all in and they would learn from those mistakes, but they knew the direction they wanted to go. So they would put those pieces back together and move forward again. Square one has to be your comfort zone for most people to be able to progress to a point that they feel good enough to go after big goals and big dreams. Right. Dreams never become achievements if you're not willing to risk some stuff. That's that's the process we're in right now, right? So getting into public speaking, it's a it's a wide open market, but man, we've already talked about it. It's needed. People yeah. need a positive message. It's true. Let's feel the airwaves with that stuff. Right. Um, I can't imagine all of the experiences I've had dying with me. Yeah. It's like having a great grandma with amazing recipes that never taught a single and child never how wrote to cook. Them down didn't write them down yep when she goes away so do all those experiences so do all those recipes that's a great point my grandmother um she used to make like when i was growing up uh, it's called a snickers cake basically it's a it's a chocolate cake bottom it's almost got like a nougat and peanut and like inner homeworks do <laughs> it's almost got like the nougat in the middle um you know, all the Snickers ingredients, hard chocolate layer, and then it was, you know, the chocolate crumb cake on top. I'm going to need to taste some of that. See, she forgot. Mm. She never wrote it down, um, and she has a little bit of dementia. Mm. Yeah, so every time she makes it, she's like, mm, it's not quite right. It's not quite right. She herself forgot mm. because she didn't keep track of it. Yeah. You know, and that kind of applies the same way. Like, if you you have a lesson within yourself and you don't teach it eventually you yourself also may lose it that's true right but um yeah i think chick-fil-a that's a excellent example it goes back to the whole they didn't start chick-fil-a with the intention of being a massive chain all across Not the country at all. they nope. started with our pleasure and they started with we're off on sunday that's right those those two square one things those are our principles and we're gonna abide by it and in other people who also had those principles and value those principles because nobody complains that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Besides disappointed, but they don't complain. Disappointed. You drive by and you're like, I want to get some chick oh, oh, it's Sunday. That's right. I have taken many a selfie upset in the, in the Chick-fil-A parking lot. <laughs> but you're upset because it's a solid product with amazing service. Right. If it was so-so, you'd be like, eh, whatever, go to the next one. Yep. The disappointment comes because it's quality. Right. You don't go somewhere else on mm-hmm. Sunday. You're just like, you know what? I'm just going to skip it all together. That's right. Because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see 
you get started in the in the whole public speaking thing because obviously you you've got the knack for the speaking and you've got the message and you've got the intentions those are the three things you need to be successful at anything mm-hmm. so i'm glad you're stepping out on the hearts in the right direction right. the purpose is for the right reason right um and those are the things that i had to make sure that i was centered with uh <laughs> pause <laughs> edit <laughs> uh a friend of mine he Whenever I started talking to him about this is what I want to do, I went and met with him. And he's he's a telemarketer, or not a telemarketer, I'm sorry. Edit that part. Yep. He's a... Just back up and say it. It was a friend of mine. I don't remember what it, the crap it is. What's the thing they do on TV? I mean, on the network marketing. That's what it is. So I have a friend of mine, and um, I spoke to him about kind of what I was wanting to do. And he's into network marketing on a computer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, dude, you got the personality for it. You got the charisma. You can make this amount of money, this amount of money. And so he's he's very driven by. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I, sure. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like eat. I'm coming down. Oh yeah, I don't want to come down on folks that are trying to make money. Obviously, but I told him I said, well, I said it's not really my motivation though. So the motivation right. for me is to be able to leave this earth a little better than I found it. I, and I, and I use a lot of philosophies. We were talking about philosophies earlier. This one came to me while I was in the Air Force. I was a young guy, 21, 22, and uh, there was a tech sergeant I worked with. And uh, the tech sergeant one day was in the kitchenette area, and he's heating something up. And he gets his food out, and it had spilled over, as they do. <laughs> it's funnier every it's, time. It is good. <laughs> he's it's only like, got that volume when we're it, doing something it, else. He's like, he's like, wait, wait, pause. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Um, he's in the kitchen area and uh, he had heated something up in the microwave and it spilled out and I see him clean his mess up but then I see him proceed to clean out the outside of the microwave clean up the countertops go to the sink and I just caught my attention and I said to him you only made a small mess why you're cleaning the whole kitchen I goes that's not my goal he said my goal is to always leave a place better than I found it yeah 22 years old here it is I can't even pick up my shoes on the middle floor right and this dude and, and, and I started watching him and that's how his approach was anything he did everywhere he went he wanted to do a little more yeah so I started adopting that and I, I think that's really the key too to the speaking to what you're doing is you're reminding people you're reminding folks of what is should be and what can be and yeah. how you can do it and uh, I have to remind myself all the time I gave a speech yesterday a, a little video was talking about how to keep a positive mindset it's so easy to get a negative mindset every yeah. day I don't care how positive a person you are the influences that are out there constantly remind you of why it's okay to be negative about stuff right. and I'm not saying there's not legitimate issues or legitimate problems but if that's where you your mind goes to every time you get out of the bed and every time you head out into the world it's a miserable existence yeah and so you have to remind yourself to stay positive right and um, you can do that in most instances you can find a positive spin to whatever that situation is yeah usually whenever i have uh kind of a conversation based around well i'm I'm feeling down or i'm feeling you know even at home if we're feeling like it's a bad day Mm -hmm. why is it a bad day and start to question what's good about the day you know kind of shift the perspective Mm -hmm. or you know is you feeling the way that you feel a choice is is something that I adopted, you know, if I woke up and I'm feeling dreary, like rainy cloud over my head and just no motivation whatsoever. Um, I think if I were to ever get a tattoo, which I probably won't cause I'm a chicken, but <laughs> I'd probably get one that says, is it a choice? Mm. You know, just, 
It applies to everything. I ask myself all the time, is the way I feel, is it a choice? Is what I'm doing or not doing or procrastinating or whatever, putting something off, is it a choice? You know, I want to add to that if I can. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it it is always a choice to a point, but sometimes there are circumstances. But how you handle those circumstances becomes a choice. Right. So it does go hand in hand. I just, you saying that reminded me of uh, another way of looking at stuff that I look at things. Yeah, this is a circumstance. Yeah. How I handle it from here, that's up to me. Yep. So you can either let your situation beat you down and keep you down, mm-hmm. or you can start fighting back. That's right. You know, that's, that's part of life, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come at you. Directions you don't expect, throw punches you don't expect, but you can either, you know, what's the old Rocky Balboa? Uh, life will kick you and put you down and yep. leave you there. Yep. Yeah. It's uh. It's not how hard you, you can get hit or it's how hard, hard you, you can, can get hit and get keep, back up. Keep moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it applies. Um, that was, uh, I used to be really big into working out. I know that's kind of hard to believe, but when I was, <laughs> when I was, I'm rather know, juicy myself, but right. I'm out. I got a marathon coming up right. this weekend. These dad bods are great. They're the most comfortable we've ever that's had. Right. But when I was 18, 19, 20, I was probably 225 pounds and I would bench press right about 315 for one rep. It was like 310. I never got to three plates, and it was it was my my inner <laughs> that was like my goal, and I yeah. could never just get it. But anyway, uh, I would always listen. You know, I had my back then we didn't have AirPods, we had regular earphones. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had my earbuds in, and uh, I would listen to motivational workout music and motivational this and that. Uh, and that was one that would always come up because it was so famous. It was the Rocky Balboa. It was like. Mm-hmm keep moving forward keep moving forward and uh, I had to remember one day because I was a skinny kid growing up I was I'm not malnourished but I was when I was 15 I might have been 160 pounds and 5'8 ish so I was tall skinny lanky and then go from 160 to 220 in a course of four years or so because I was eating more working out every day you know I had a bunch mm-hmm. of friends on the football team that I you know worked out with and stuff like that so we were in the gym in ATC in Millington all the time. And I ended up getting you know, stretch marks because of my growth, because my body was uncomfortable with the rate that I was growing, mm-hmm. right? And I was mindful of it, but I wanted to continue growing. I didn't care what my growth looked like. Mm-hmm. I was more concerned with the abilities that I was gaining but by growing stronger, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that all ties back to the original point was like, you have to stop caring what you look like and start remembering like you started out bench pressing 140 pounds. Now you're, you're upset because you're five pounds away from 315. That, that looking back of Mm -hmm. course is, is the lesson that I learned 10 years later. Yeah. You got to remember where you come from. I used that in a speech one time. Uh, I think it was Martin Scorsese. I heard say at a graduation, he said, you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've come from. And uh, at first, when he said it, I thought to myself, well, that doesn't make any sense. And then I gave a little bit deeper thought. And I'm like, you know what? He's actually very right because what we do each day, where we come from, starts to mold our direction and our, right. our perceptions and how we handle and deal with situations. And uh, if you start to lose that or forget that, then you're really having to spin your wheels and you're having to recreate or do something different or do something over. That's why the square one analogy is so relevant because those folks that can get knocked back down to square one and then move forward again, they remembered those steps it took to get forward. Right. And so they can adjust that if needed. They can modify. They can add to. And um, 
that's that's really the goal here so i'm trying to what my goal is for this is i'm trying to not only use those types of experiences i've had to help others but then to learn from others as well and right. i think this is definitely not a singularity one direction type conversation and that right. too is going to help me when i get up in front of my class and i teach my class or i'm i'm on a ball field talking to my players i'm not just talking at them right i'm talking to them and with I'm, them and with them i yeah. want to hear what they have to say and i will ask opinions and then you can learn from that and there's been many many times that i've given a direction on something and it seems almost that it's uh it's vague because you know i'm teaching it so it's an instructional situation but it's really not it's a life situation so we're dealing with scenarios and somebody will give me something back and i'll be like man i never thought about that yeah it's really good and you couldn't have had that without that open line of communication so right. and now you can add that into your um program and teach someone else the lesson that you learned by teaching absolutely do yeah. it all the time do it all the time yep and uh i caught on to something you said spinning the wheels which leads me to think of like burnout mm -hmm. and i know you've experienced burnout at one point or another you know, sure. especially with the fire career um, no pun intended with the fire burnout. Right. But, uh, <laughs> um, I think burnout, especially in like the medical field, first responders and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you know, you throw on the pandemic on stuff that we already had going on. You know, we, you know, we already have staffing issues. We already have, you know, lack of public understanding about what the jobs actually do, whether it's ER rooms, you know. We have people with toothaches go to ERs. We have sure. you know, all kinds Lay of... Lay public doesn't seem to know that at sometimes, but you're right. Yeah. Right. And I feel like that's that was only getting worse, but I almost feel like the pandemic improved the public understanding about what they actually do because now everyone's watching the news. Everyone's sure. following the, the pandemic. Everyone's following, you know, stuff. And it's almost like we have um, fewer incidents. Like, I don't know if... Uh, Maybe this is just my perspective, but we've had less during the pandemic. We've had less global or even nationwide issues as far as like, let's say shootings, right? On a, on a mass scale or as, as far as how the media portrays it. You know, like you said, the media doesn't really portray hope, but they haven't, right. they haven't really had anything besides the pandemic to report on, mm -hmm. on a, in a negative light, which is a good thing. To a point, yeah. To a point. I agree. Um, but burnout, uh, I think burnout comes from a place of kind of like the discomfort we were talking about. You become so uncomfortable that you don't have any motivation anymore, mm -hmm. right? Whether that's you're putting in too many hours a day into something that you're not comfortable with, like you have to be able to step away, right? To focus on the lessons that you've learned or however. You can't just stay in a classroom 24 hours a day and expect to learn 24 hours a day. You have to, you know, shift gears, like you said, mm -hmm. and you end up with a broken transmission. And then, yeah, you know, <laughs> I know when it comes to, to the fire EMS things, you, anybody that has uh, worked in public service in general, yeah. um, they all know those folks that get really jaded and they yep. come to work with a certain set of expectations. And this is, the, this is exactly, so this is one of the things that I actually try to teach my students a lot about is, um, the ability to stay focused on what is important for yourself. Right. At the end of every shift, did you leave healthy? Mm -hmm. Are you going back to your family? Did you make a difference in somebody's life? Yep. If those things can be answered, yes, then you had a successful shift. No one that has done the job can say that there wasn't moments 
that they did not really enjoy, right? Of course, bad calls are bad calls, but I'm just referring to the wear and tear of uh, the public service itself. You know, people, a lot of times um, they abuse the system. They call and obviously they don't need an ambulance. They don't need an ER. And for those medics or those firemen that uh, let that become a part of their personal effects, then everything, every day is just going to be miserable for them. And it's the nurses, doctors, it's not just paramedics. Yeah. Just, just, that's my related that's field. That's almost anything with public interaction. Sure, absolutely. Days. So it's, you have to um, adjust your expectations. Yeah. That's what I tell uh, my students all the time. You're going to go in, you're going to see the jaded medic, you're going to see the jaded firefighter, the chiefs, the grumpy. They started their day out that way. They started their day out. How do you think their day's going to go? Bad. Yep. That's how they, that's how they approached it. You have to make the decision for yourself. I just had this conversation with a student of mine just this past week. They were asking what to do because they're excited about the career field and they go in and they're doing clinicals and all they're being fed by these other seasoned medics this is how bad it is how much you're going to hate this how you won't be nice after this amount of time and it was very uh demoralizing for my student they didn't know where to go with that they didn't know what to do with that you know they're like how am i supposed to uh, i feel great about this occupation i've chosen and now here it is i'm going into it and these people that have been here for a while are telling me how much i'm going to hate things and hate my life i said you have to remember this it doesn't matter what you do it could be firing ems it could be nursing it could be working at a department store you are the captain of your ship. Yep. When you get up and you leave the house and you go to do your job, you have a mindset about what you're going to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I gave them some real world uh, examples of myself. I said, you can go out there and ask people. I worked on the job for over 16 years. They're not going to give you a perception of Chris Camp being disgruntled. I went out with a attitude that I was going to enjoy my day, spend time with people I cared about, and try to make a difference in someone's life. Right. And I had moments. And life has moments. Moment doesn't mean that that's your personality. A moment means that you you had a situation you had to deal with, and maybe it was good or bad, and maybe it worked out the way you wanted, maybe it didn't. But you don't dwell on that. Right. It's either a learning moment or a teaching moment. That's it. Choice is yours. Don't let it become <laughs> ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. I said, so when you go out and you have a bad day, don't think to yourself that that person's words are starting to ring true, that now right. you're going to start to become this type of person. No. Right. You get to start over the next day. So when I come into school, when I teach, there's days I come in, I'm tired. I have stuff going on at the house. Right. We all have outside exterior stresses hitting us. Like the lawnmower won't start. Like the lawnmower won't start. (laughs) But when I come in here, I enjoyed that. I'm focused on you guys, man. Right. This is our time now. And so even if the rest of my day before this or after this doesn't go well, I'm going to try to make this moment great. So you have to be the proprietor. You have to be the captain. You have yep. to be the person that dictates how your day is going to go and what your approach is going to be. It right. doesn't matter what it is. Right. I think that sometimes we underestimate how much our perspective and how much we project into the world affects how others will also project into the world, which, like I said, leads all full circle back to the public speaking and the value in that. So... You know, if you brighten one person's day and they brighten one more, that's two, four, eight. It's the know. butterfly effect. Yep, that's absolutely right. That's my. That's what I look at. Have you ever? Have you ever read the book or watched the movie? Butterfly watched effect? the movie. I can't remember if I actually read the book, but you know what? I'm a visual learner, so me too. Probably <laughs> never read the book to be honest. Yeah. All these books over here. Yeah. You can't see it on camera, but I've got you know. Was it? 
three three ish shelves full of books. I've I've, I've read twenty out of <laughs> twenty out of a hundred maybe, yeah. but uh, not a super big reader. But I'm trying to change that. Mm-hmm. I've I've got a book now that I'm reading. It's uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. He's a FBI uh, hostage negotiator, and he basically, you know, he circles back and he's now doing public speaking and kind of motion motivational stuff and how to even a little bit of sales and how to. Uh, negotiate in everyday life. Mm-hmm. You know, every every interaction with another person is either a yes or a no, no negotiation. It's, it's kind of his perspective. And he, he's like, I come from a place where if I get a no, everyone dies. Right? So he has to take control. Stakes are pretty high. Stakes are pretty high. So he's like, you know what? I decided to teach people on that basis. If you if you can't get whatever you want, it doesn't matter what it is. If, you, if you're selling cars, if you're... Um, teaching people if you're you know whatever you have to be mindful of what you yourself are projecting because he's if he said you know if he said to a hostage uh or a uh, bank robber that has hostages he's like you know we're going to come in there and we're going to take those hostages out everybody dies mm-hmm. you know there, no person uh number one robs a bank and takes hostages in their right mind they're doing it on an emotional whim and they're out of desperation and they're there for a reason and the reason is money and that money is probably going to be used not for they're not there for greed they're there because they usually have a purpose they have a, a something that has driven them and pushed them over the edge now they have to make a rash decision to do something unthinkable in order to get what they have to get right that that's 99 percent of hostage situations that he, mm-hmm. he says so he says you don't approach somebody who's in a position and totally irrational from a rational perspective. Because if I go in, if I say that we're going in there, we're taking those hostages, they won't respond to it well because they're not thinking rationally. He said most of the public don't think rationally. We're animals. We're all um, primal, and you have to relate to somebody on a primal level. So he said, instead of telling them what we're going to do, even though I know we're going to do it, we're going to go in there and get those hostages, and everyone's going to be safe. I'm going to start telling them how to feel he said um, something along the lines of how am I supposed to do that if he if he gets a request he's like I need a million dollars or we're not or everybody's you know everybody's whacked or whatever Um, we need a million dollars and a getaway car how am I supposed to do that is is usually his response and the reason he asked that question that way is it makes the person think instead of saying yes or no Mm -hmm. now the robber has to solve his problem so now his wheels start turning. He starts to think more logically than he was when he was thinking with his just primal side. It's like, I need it. I have to get this. That's his only motivator. Mm-hmm. So he starts to change the gears in the other person's head. And that's kind of the point I wanted to make. Like with the negotiations, with his tactics, he changes the gears in other people's heads by the way he asks questions. And I think that, again, full circle all the way back to the public speaking. You're changing the way other people think. Mm-hmm. And I think that's with any consulting, any teaching. And you have to change their way of thinking in a positive way if you intend on growing as a teacher or as a speaker. Mm-hmm. And that salty veteran thing doesn't do that. It's not going to work. It doesn't Pe- work. I agree with you. People are emotional when it comes to responses. They, they're A lot of times they're just, it's, it's unthought, unorganized approaches to situational moments right whatever that is and um so i did give the 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 conversation i was talking about yesterday actually almost on my my video was that uh having a positive mindset is a an intentional thing Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. You have to actually, to the point of what you're saying, you have to have that conversation with yourself of how you're going to approach something. Because if you just react to it, then a lot of times our reactions are going to be in the wrong direction. Right. And it's going to be more than what was intended. I can see how many times I can give you a long list of examples um, that I saw a situation and my mind went to worst case scenario. Right. And I, and I overthought whatever that thing that was. Primal urge took over. So many times. And then whenever that moment would come to pass, I was able to see how I was overplaying the situation, how I was not clearly rationalizing what the problem was and how to solve it. So your point is really, um, it makes a lot of sense to me in the fact that uh, I feel like if, if you can help coach a person into taking a breath, taking a step back, thinking about what problems are, thinking about what they're wanting to do. It ain't got to be a problem. It could just be a goal or an aspiration. Mm -hmm. How do I achieve that? What do I have to do to do that? And then be conscious of the effort you're taking to adjust. Um, there's a friend of mine that's, uh, her, her son's graduating this year, and they had asked me about possibly talking to him and some of his buddies that are going into college and stuff. And, and I thought a lot about what I would say to some seniors going into the world, you know? So these are young, impressionable folks and um, you can't give a lot of information. You can't give like 15 pearls of wisdom. Right. By the time you get to the second one, they've already taken they've a nap, they're on vacation. Yep, um, they're on their phone. They're, they're gone. <laughs> so I thought about some, what would be the one thing? What's the one thing? And it goes hand in hand with this. And that is, I would talk to them about be able to make adjustments. If they play football, so I was gonna use the word audible be available for an audible. Mm -hmm. When you come up to the line, if things don't look the way you wanted them to, if you don't feel comfortable with whatever it is that decision is you're trying to make, mm -hmm. be comfortable with an audible. That's why they have them. I use punt as one of my analogies in my first videos. Mm -hmm. The value of a punt, you know, the punt is not intended to give up. The punt doesn't mean, oh, we can't win, we're done, we're gonna punt it right. down the other side of the field. Punt just means I need some more time to figure this out. Yeah, I gotta think about this, maybe we have to go at it a different way. I'm gonna punt the ball down the field, give myself some time. We know we're in a bad spot. We're going to make the best of it. That's it. Collect yourself. And there are many non-scoring punts that have won games in history. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And so that I know I use a lot of sports analogies, but again, it goes back to this, what I use. I use a lot of sports because it actually taught me a lot of, of principles and values to approach yeah. life. It's and, relatable. Um, it's very relatable. And uh, an audible is not something that you thought about to begin with. But when it comes time to do whatever that is, something else made more sense. So call the audible, be able to adjust. Yeah. If you get stuck in one track mind, whatever that is, and you're not being successful, you're not gonna have any other options. Yeah. Be adjustable. Same thing with the negotiation. Go into it, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, and yep. then what you're trying to get them to understand or see. I have a mantra in my class. My wife tells me all the time, you're gonna get fired, you're gonna get fired. You, you, <laughs> you don't have to edit that part, you can leave that. Right. Um, yep. And I understand because I, I realize a lot of people can't say and do some of the things I say and do and get away, get away with, with it, it. Yep. because they don't know how to say and do it, right? Yeah. So it's how you say it. And my mantra is this, I have two major rules. I tell my students on day one, don't be late. Time is everything. 30 seconds could be life or death. Yep. So I'll teach that on day one, muscle memory, mind memory. Don't be late. Yep. Second rule, don't suck. Yep. Suck is broad. Yep. Suck means you ain't giving me your best. Suck doesn't mean you messed up. Life is about mistakes. Right. You're going to mess up. But if you ain't giving me your best and you mess up, right. you didn't fail me. Who'd you fail? Yourself. You failed yourself. Yep. Don't you deserve it? Right. Because you're telling me you don't deserve it. And if you don't think you deserve it, why should I think you deserve it? Right. Why are we here? 
what's going on? Why are we paying tuition if you don't think you doesn't make any sense to me? Yeah. So don't be late. Don't suck. You know what? Been there for five years. My students love it. Mm-hmm. And guess what they do when they start sucking? <laughs> they own it. Yep. They, uh, yeah, I coach, suck. I'm sucking today, man. <laughs> I'm like, all right, buddy. Well, now we know there's a problem. Let's fix it. Right. Let's fix it. No judgment here. Let's fix it. And and you you saying, let's fix it mm-hmm. brings that collaborative element to it. And that, to a student, is everything. That's right. Instead of you need to fix it, let's fix it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's that's what makes you a good teacher. I'm on your team. I ain't never been in your class, but I know you're a good teacher. I mean, that's it. I'm <laughs> on your team. I'm not I'm not pulling against you. Right. right. I'm not here for that. I'm here to make us win. And I tell them all the time, your success is my success. Right. When you fail out of this class, I get no pleasure. I get right. no joy. Yep. You go out in the field, you make mistakes, I have no pleasure. You're right. an extension of me. It's that butterfly effect again. Yep. I can't go out in the field anymore and treat them. I've had three shoulder surgeries. They said, you're done, Chris. I said, I may be done physically, but I ain't done. Right. So that's where I'm at with that. And that's what I tell, try to tell them. It is the butterfly effect. Yeah. You go out there, man, if I got 15 students to graduate, think about those 15 going out and having an impression on the on the community and having an impression on those around them in the same line of work. Let me do some math real quick. You said 15 students, and they all interact with, how many people you interact with on a shift on, that, on a 12-hour period? A minimum of four. A minimum of four. So you've got 60 a day, 21,900 a year. And you've taught a lot more than 15 people. A lot more. So your total reach of the change you've made in the world is well into the millions by now. I would hope so, and hopefully it's been positive. And yeah. So that's the goal, too. But yeah. it comes back to being vulnerable, Cody. Yeah. you got to allow yourself to be vulnerable. And when people come to you with mistakes, and they do, they'll come sure. to me and they'll ask me about stuff. And I'm, I'm very open. I'll yeah. throw myself under the bus all the time. In fact, call me a mechanic. I've been under there so much. But when they come to me and they realize that I'm not blowing smoke, yeah, I'm letting them know directly how I used to do things, the mistakes I made. This is what you do. That actually becomes part of the inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know, knowing your, your weaknesses is a strength. Right. And if you don't know your weaknesses, you can't fix them. Right. So I do hope I influence that many people. I do hope that it's a positive influence. I do know that is my goal. Sure. And I know I'm going to come up short sometimes. But it, I'm going to work towards being better. There you go. And that's all that matters. Work towards being better. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me, he's like, yeah, you're trying to get like Joe Rogan. And I'm like, you know what? If I end up with a $100 million podcast deal with, with can, Spotify, I'm not going to be upset. I'm, I'm going to be upset. Yeah. Sad, yeah. Gonna, you know, you got this, uh, you got this nice mane of hair and stuff just in time. In two weeks, it's all going to be gone. In two weeks, I'm doing a big, uh, big thing for my, my students. Are you? So you know, have, have you to... seen the videos where like I'll come in and try to motivate the class on game day? Yeah. Like the, the Chris Farley from last time. Yeah. So this group is they're they're doing their final test on the twenty third. By the river. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so on the twenty third, I'm coming in. I've got I've got a coach's outfit. Uh-huh. The tight coaching shorts that's going to come up, you know, way inappropriately high. Right, right, right. And then the, the tall that socks, huggers. the huggers. And I got, <laughs> I'm going to shave this down to a mullet. Yep. And uh, all of this will be gone. So I just had the mustache coming in as the coach. Mm-hmm. Got the whistle. Fire them up. There you go. I'm excited thinking about it. If you make them, if you make anybody laugh, like that's the first thing I do, no matter if it's a casual meeting, professional meeting, whatever. Because I don't even want to say professional because I don't think I've. I don't think I can be completely professional. I think, the, I think that is subjective. I believe subjective. professionalism is subjective. I don't yeah. think it's a binary one thing or this thing. It's right. depends on the situation. Make people laugh, and immediately you get a, 
a connection of some sort where they're going to take whatever you have to say with with less of a grain of salt than they would have if they were just coming 100%. in. Hundred percent. They don't feel like yeah. they're on. They have to be on the defense. They let their right. guard down a little There's, bit. There was a. I can't remember who, who said it. Going to philosophies real fast, just talking out loud because that's yep. what my mouth does when my brain works. And uh, there was a. I can't remember the person that said it, but they said, in any situation when you meet people. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they won't remember much of what you said, yep. but they always remember how you made them feel. Yep. And I took that to heart, and that's what I try to do, is leave an impression, a good impression, a happy impression. So when they think of me, they it's synonymous with a positive vibe. Right. And I think that approach to life has served me well. 